0: Hey, well, look, do you know anything about these Nuts? Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guy, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, folks, welcome back. And once again, we have found ourselves in the Liberty living room, so to speak, for another edition of our almost oh, jovial feature, Libertarians, in living rooms, drinking liquor. I've assembled a crew, as, I, as I'm as i often known to do, of feisty libertarian folks, and I'm just going to bring them in one by one, and as always, we'll start off just finding out what everybody is drinking. So we're going to start off over with our man in Pittsburgh, PA, Felony
1: Friday author, co-host of The Felony Report with myself, Mr. John Odermatt. What is up, Mark? It is freaking awesome to be back here, um, a li- little more sober than the last... Time on L I L D L. We had the uh, the presidential uh, recap after that debate. Well, you probably
0: played the Lions of Liberty official
1: drinking game, so I'd imagine you I did. Well, I mean not not fully. If I did, I would have been laying on the floor, dead. but uh, dead in a gutter. I Had a couple drinks. So, all right, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a little a uh, little brandy, a little VSOP brandy,
0: and a that's uh, so. Would you say no? It's it's interesting. I was about to drink brandy too, but I'm I'm not. But we'll get to me. We'll get to maybe it's actually.
1: a sign. I don't know. It, it, may,
0: it might be that liberty minds are in sync. So um, we're going to toss it now over to Cleveland, where we've got our official slash unofficial legal counsel, the man known simply as Rico. Hey now. All right, and he's a simple man with a simple a simple salutation. And uh, Rico, what are you drinking over there in the old Clevesburg?
2: Well, I'm cheating here. I'm not drinking liquor, and I'm not even drinking good beer. I'm drinking Bud Light out of a can as I am stealing beer from my friend's refrigerator where I'm at right now. So that's all he had.
0: That's perfectly legitimate, although um, stealing, per se, isn't necessarily a libertarian value, but uh, we'll try it. We'll we'll assume you're just using it in the colloquial uh, sense of the term. And we will now head over. Well, we're not going to head over. I'm just going to keep sitting right here. But we're going to toss it over to our very first uh, special guest on the show, That is the man who is the founder of the Blue Republican Movement from Seattle, Mr. Robin Kerner. Welcome
3: to the show. Thank you very much. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. And Robin, you warned me, we might be disappointed. So what are you drinking up there in in the good old Seattle?
3: Well, actually, I feel better about it now because my beverage has more alcohol in it than a Bud Light out of a can. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) you know... Tea? I set the bar
0: low here. I think yeah, I think yeah. tea legally does have more alcohol than Bud Light. So. <laughs>
3: I'm pretty sure. I, you know, I'm yeah. I, although I am kind of finding myself drawn to the um, gorgeous single malt I have hidden away in one of my cupboards.
0: Trust me, when you spend like 30 minutes talking to us, you're going to be breaking
3: into that thing. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's possible. I'm not going to rule it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, we never rule out more booze on the show. That's 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 a rule. One, this is actually the only rule. We have very, very few rules on the show. Uh, cursing is great, drinking is great, all of that stuff. And, uh, but, hey, we don't want to forget me, You're, uh, your host with The Mostest, and uh, I am drinking what I'm drinking. Speaking of stealing, <laughs> I am drinking Old Smuggler Blended Scotch Whiskey, which is actually the property of one Brian McWilliams, uh, also an Alliance of Liberty contributor, who left this here last time. So it's not really stealing if you leave it in my property, right?
1: Finders Keepers, right?
0: There you go. Another another solid libertarian libertarian <laughs> concept. The the ancient you, you've finders you've keepers. You homesteaded it. You yes, find,
3: It is whiskey. Right? I, it's
0: exactly. what well, see, we can tie this stuff into libertarian <laughs> values. That's why we do this. I have effectively homesteaded this old smuggler. It spent over a week in my liquor cabinet, and now it's residing in my glass. Therefore, it's mine.
3: Drink your heart out, John Locke. Murray yeah.
0: Rothbard would be very proud of me for my my very simple homesteading. So, uh, Robin, I don't know uh, how familiar you are with the format of the show, but uh, essentially there's no format. So we just kind of let it fly. And, uh, you know, I don't know how woozy you are from your tea yet, but uh, if, you, if you have anything on your mind that you want to you wanna kick things off with, since you are our first special guest, why don't you uh, – what's on your mind nowadays? Liberty-related or not?
3: Oh, my God. Oh, That's so much of an open question. Where I, could, I... it, could
0: it be more of an open question than that?
3: <laughs> Where do I even begin? <laughs> Wherever you are. You know, you know I, I'm – so there's a couple of things that are kind of taking up a bit of bandwidth right now. One is that Randpool is making a stop in Seattle next week. So a lot of the Liberty folks on the ground around here are getting all kind of excited for. I don't know if it's, I think it's his first Washington um event and they're talking about doing half a dozen or so over the course of the campaign because um you know, Ron Paul did very well in Washington state, right? And so there is actually quite a libertarian sensibility. Is that a caucus state, Washington? Yeah. 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 So
0: that's – he always does better in the caucus states where the the activists can actually, you know, get in there and and fight for their man.
3: That's right. Actually, you know, it was kind of cool because when we had the caucuses in the last cycle in 2012 or whatever it was – I turned up as an observer because, of course, I've, it's all new to me. right? I've never seen this before. We don't do this in British politics.
0: British politics is where you just yell at the prime minister until, uh, until something changes, right? That's what I've gathered from watching uh, C-SPAN, 2, C-SPAN 2 coverage.
3: A little more to it than that, but <laughs> I, I can see how you could summarize Well, we it. like
0: to keep things simple here.
3: Yeah, <laughs> simple's good, right? But the KISS principle. We like the KISS principle. Yeah, um, yeah and, and I went over to the table for my precinct and I, live in, I lived at the time I was renting an apartment in a, you know, a kind of professional, you know, lots of young single professionals in um, close to downtown Seattle. And uh, of the eight people at the table in that open caucus, seven had voted for Obama in 2008. And all eight were there for Ron Paul, which um, kind of excited me a lot and, it's excited me so much that I'm still talking about it years later. Obviously, what,
0: what was guy number eight? What did he do in the, in the previous election cycle? Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> he really made an impact. But it was the, just <laughs> like these are
3: my people. These are blue Republicans, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So perfect. It was it was just beautiful. Actually, that's
0: exactly. And we don't need to go through the whole the whole how you founded it. We we actually did a whole interview already about this on our show, which we'll link to. But for anybody that might be new to this concept of the blue Republican, why don't you just give like the the thirty second elevator speech of what that is? Why you founded this movement?
3: Okay, so I wrote an article on the Huffington Post with an audience of liberals and progressives back in 2011 saying if you voted for Obama because you thought you were voting for civil rights against unnecessary war, against cronyism... Um, and therefore against Bush's Republicans, as it was back at the time, you know, then now you've had a chance to see three years of Obama. Remember, this is 2011. Um, your only man with a track record on those liberal principles happens to be an old white conservative Republican called Ron Paul. So stay true to your liberal principles, my liberal friends, and become Republicans for a year to put Ron Paul on the Republican ticket. And that article went viral. Um, and in that article, I called those switches to the Republican Party for Ron Paul. Um, especially if they were previously Obama voters or Democrats. Um, I called them blue Republicans for obvious reasons, and that term caught on and then kind of spawned the movement, which is still going on today.
0: It's such a cool approach because you're not – I mean, look, I spend all my – Day and night trying to change people's views and tra- change their philosophy. But you're not really trying to do that in that instance. You're just saying, look at these things you already agreed with and already believed in. Here's why these guys are not making them happen. Here's a guy who is. So just leave your, leave whatever cons- preconceptions you have about old white Republican dudes and come, come vote for the old white Republican dude.
3: Yeah, that's right. And it so happens that affirming people, the views that people already have is the best way of getting them to change those views. Ironically.
0: Yeah. Cause once you get them in that conversation, then you can have the whole dialogue. Then you can share a glass of a uh, old smuggler and explain the concept of homesteading to them and that, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah. You got to get them in the conversation from the premise that you actually share, um, similar moral motivations. And if you do that, if you put yourself on the same side of a discussion, even, you know, um, emotionally, then you can, you know, start where somebody is and take them on a little journey to wherever you want them to go. Exactly. So
1: let me let me uh, let me pose a question to the to the group here. We're talking about Blue Republicans. Oh, I
0: guess we've got a new host now. OK, cool. No, I'm just <laughs> hey, it's, it's it's a free for all. Right? <laughs> I know. You I'm can, just I'm just I'm, I'm drinking old <laughs>
1: smuggler. What do you have, man? I'm feisty. I'm just kidding. Um, so que- question for the group. Um, obviously, we're talking about blue, blue Republicans and and the impact they had on, on Ron Paul's campaign in 2012. Is, is it possible? Do you do you think that many blue Republicans or more liberal leaning Democrats are are turning towards it and supporting Rand and going out and being activists for Rand and knocking on doors? Uh, personally, I I mean, I don't have any quantitative data to back it up or anything like that. But um, just just from just looking at Rand's stances and things that would be attractive to Republicans. I mean, the 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 foreign policy, for one, obviously, is not where Ron Paul was back in 08 and 2012 and still is today. Um, outside of that, criminal justice reform, I could see that as being something that would attract a, 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 blue, a blue Republican type. Um, but, but what else? Do you, you guys think that Rand really has a shot to, to pull some of these people into the party?
3: Personally, I do, but he's got to do it right and he's got to make a decision to do it.
0: Do you think he's been doing it right, Robin?
3: Not yet. Okay. I'm still waiting for the phone call.
0: Well, it's time. I mean, there's a, the clock is a ticking, Rand. Give this yeah. guy a call. I mean, I,
3: I mean, I've got to say, I, you know, I don't know. We know what he's doing now. He's got to win Republican primaries, and we know, you know, you have to kind of tack right, and then you kind of win the primary if you're lucky, and then you tack middle or left, or you know, we all know how it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly kind of itching for a serious awareness within the campaign of the fruit on the left that is to be picked. For Rand. And not just on the left. I mean, also the disaffected independence, which is kind of the fastest growing, um, you know, kind of s- broadly named group um, in the US, right, politically. Uh, independent registration is rising. Um, we need to make, and there's... There's huge potential success here. We need to make the swinging middle, the disaffected middle, broadly pro peace, pro liberty, pro Bill of Rights. And Rand Paul. I mean, in some ways, I think I got an easier job with Rand Paul making blue Republicans than Ron Paul actually. But you know, it, it, it's all about his strategy and his messaging.
0: Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's easier with Rand? Because for for me personally, I I mean. I think at the end of the day, I mean, even Ron has come out and said, you know, we basically agree on most things, everybody. So just like, don't worry about the little intricacies that you're upset about. That's essentially what he said in his statement last week. But I mean, I see Rand say things like, ah, I don't know how I feel about gay marriage, even though his actual policy position is totally what everyone should agree with, which is, you know, private marital contracts and that sort of thing. And he'll say stuff, you know, like he will come out against the Iran deal. And even if there might be some good reasons to be opposed to it, he really comes across as sort of Neo when he does stuff like that. And to me, that's the kind of stuff that's going to turn away that that sort of progressive, possible blue Republican crossover audience. What are your thoughts on
3: that? Neocon compared to who?
0: Well, yeah, exactly, compared to Ron Paul, (laughs) not compared to actual neocons.
3: But you see, that's not the game we're playing now, right? Um, I mean, you can stack him up against anyone, including Sanders on foreign policy and civil rights, and he's your man. So, uh, yeah, no, I think looking at the field, and we have to play in the field that we're playing in, um, you know, if he wanted to start framing that way, Um, yeah, I'd feel pretty good about that. I mean, even I mean, even his tax policy. The first thing I would say about his tax policy, which is great, by the way, is that it's progressive. It's simple and progressive. I mean, I could sell that as a great progressive tax plan.
0: I'd like to hear you do that because I feel like regular, I don't know, regular progressives, progressives that I run into anyway are going to be like. Ah, no, because the rich need to pay more, and now that you only want them to pay 14.5, that's a joke. They're suddenly they're going to pay way less, and now, you know, now they're not going to be contributing as much to our great society.
3: Right, so what you do is you show them the data for the richest point 0.1%, and you show them what they're actually paying in income tax, and then you explain that that really low number is on account of the loopholes, and then you say he's abolishing all the loopholes.
0: Hey, Rico, are you still with us? <laughs> oh, I was joking. I thought he actually was, but maybe he's not. He probably saw his mic mute- muted and has been talking this whole time.
2: Oh, actually, I, I did.
0: <laughs> see, I knew. You're like, I've made all these comments. Why is no one responding to me?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, is Rand Paul running an effective campaign at all? Because I don't see his message resonating with just people that may be tuning in politically. You know, the people that look every four years, see who's going. I don't see him kind of moving the needle at all. Am I wrong on that?
3: Oh I'm not I'm not making a case that he's doing well. I'm making a case that it can be done given who he is and his but, policies.
2: But he needs it seems like he needs to change kind of directions on what he's doing cuz what he's doing now doesn't seem to be effective. I, I even you know after the debate we thought he did good as far as his points against Chris Christie but I don't know if the average voter kind of agreed with you know his positions if he explained them well enough and and his campaign just seems to be floundering, in, in my opinion.
0: We have to realize, too, some of this is just going to be out of his control. Like, in the debate, he still, even though he interjected himself several times, even including that, he still got the least amount of talking time of anybody. Um, you know, and, and stuff like that. And even, you still see polls online. It's like we're, it's like we're experiencing uh, flashbacks to 2008 and 2012. You see these polls. I saw one, someone emailed me one today, where they list literally every single candidate. Uh, I'm going to try to pull it up, since it's not like I don't have time. Um, they list every single candidate who's your favorite guy. And Rand Paul is just blatantly, um, blatantly not listed there. And literally every other, like Carly's there. I mean, Kasich is there. It's not like they just like, weren't including the lower-tier candidates or perceived lower-tier candidates. They literally only left off Rand Paul. So stuff like that is just kind of, I mean, how, how much can he overcome some of that? I mean, I don't well, even know. He
2: also, I think he whiffed on the Iran question in the debate, which he couldn't have kind of distinguished from the other candidates. As a, a non-sequitur, as far as polls, I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but did you see that the new poll in uh, North Carolina where these nuts gathered 9% <laughs> of the votes?
1: I did. Yeah, I did see that. So I,
2: I guess that's how much faith you can put in some polls
0: hey well look do you know anything about these
2: nuts (laughs) apparently he's a 15 year old kid and uh, he's getting nine percent of the vote in north carolina
0: but guess what he probably would do a better job as president than hillary clinton or donald trump i actually saw some like brief interview with him and he seems like he's he's sort of mentioned he's kind of he said something about like kind of being libertarian so hey if this 15 year old kid is sort of libertarian (laughs) it's better than trump or hillary right I, I don't yeah.
2: know. Yeah. Can't argue <laughs> how, that
1: how was he getting pulled though? He's fifteen years old. He obviously can't run. I mean who is calling people asking, asking No, I questions? guess
0: he actually even though he's not of age, he just filled out the paperwork in uh was it South Carolina, North Carolina?
2: North
0: Carolina, yeah. uh, but he filled out all the proper paperwork, so they processed it. So he was on this list of candidates to poll about. So they, they polled about him, and I'm sure people. I'm sure in reality, people just laughed at that the fact they're asked being asked about these nuts and said, "Yeah, that guy sounds great." Especially they were only comparing him to Trump and Hillary. It wasn't, which oh, just okay. seems weird too. I mean, you know what?
1: If if I was called, which I've never been called for a poll before, and somebody asked me those three choices, I would pick D's nuts. There you go. The future of our country, ladies and gentlemen.
2: How much do you think polls even matter at this point in time? They seem to be kind of a waste because this far out from any primary, they don't seem to have any correlation to any, you know, success in the overall campaign or primary.
0: Hopefully
3: for Rand Paul, they don't matter at
0: all. Yeah, (laughs)
3: it's not doing well. That's just a distraction. Really, yeah. I wouldn't even spend any more time talking about them.
0: Yeah, I mean, their popularity contest. Look at Robin trying to censor us.
3: Well, it's, not, <laughs> it's not. It's not.
1: It's not, you can't say it's just a distraction now because really, it, it's. I mean, there's a good chance Rand's not going to be on the main stage for the next debate. A very good chance. He's pulling outside of the top ten right now. So even if they're a distraction and they're not accurate, they are molding this uh, this debate think, we're having for the, the Republican. Uh,
3: I think. I think the debates are a much smaller part of people's decisions than this conversation is premised on.
0: What do, you, uh, what do you think does ultimately really influence people?
3: Over the last year, Rand Paul was making huge strides in the media coverage he was getting. Huge strides. He was getting his message out in free media and new shows repeatedly, right? Where even like from Fox all the way through to MSNBC and everything in between. He was getting that more libertarian message into mainstream media packaging, as it were. And it's it's doing that um, so that people kind of see him more and more the repeated exposure. That's that enables him to change minds over time in a way that a Republican debate, which is really only being watched by, you know, a very certain kind of demographic, by the way.
1: I would actually I would argue that point this year with with Donald Trump in the debates. I think that demographic is is very different than, than it normally is.
3: Well, Donald Trump. Yeah, see, that's interesting. I would agree with you about Donald Trump. Um, yeah, so we can have a conversation right there as well. well the <laughs> thing about Donald Trump is okay. So he has his
2: his numbers where they are right now. But do people that are you know voting for or supporting Rand or Kasich or whoever else in the polls are they likely to switch their support to, to Trump if their candidate falls out? I, I mean, I, I seem to think Trump is kind of plateaued. To me, his campaign just doesn't seem sustainable as far as gaining more voters, just as far as as vitriolic as he is. But what do I know?
3: Well, what Trump is offering is something that we in the liberty movement need to be much better at offering, right, which is – He's his own man, and he's highly authentic. This is why we all loved Ron Paul. Now, he's a very different kind of man, right? Obviously, he's an arrogant man with this, with an ego the size of Seattle. Um, so there's a lot of reasons not to like him. But this kind of breath of fresh air, this not being kind of, as it were, censored by the system, people love it. People are tuning in for that. Um, and And people kind of like that regardless of their politics. Now, a lot of people don't like him because of, you know, this arrogance and the way he carries himself and the kind of things he says and the way he talks to people. But, you know, that makes for good TV and it makes for good politics. And actually, you know, the rising success that Rand was having over the last year, in as much as he did have increasing success, I think was largely because people were seeing him as not a carbon cutout of a Republican... Um, candidate, that whether, you know, whatever you think about Rand and his politics, he was starting to speak more and more as his own man in his own style. Now, right now, Trump is, well, Trump is trumping everybody on that, right? Um, but Trump has negatives, the like of which probably nobody else on that stage has.
0: Yeah, I mean, Trump, I, I I almost, I hate saying this, I almost wish Rand was more like Trump, not in the content of what he's saying.
3: Absolutely. There's a reason there's a reason why the word populism and popular sound very similar, right? There's a reason for that, and guess what? Elections are popularity contests. You know, so this is this speaks to everything I kind of write about. Yeah, that we're in the game, if we're in politics, we're in the game of changing people's minds, and there are ways that work, and there are ways that don't work. And a lot of folks in our movement have, I think it's changing, but they've been more concerned with feeling their own rightness than actually moving the dial. Culturally or politically in the mainstream. So, yeah, I think I think there's some truth in what you just said.
0: All right. Maybe uh, maybe hopefully Rand Paul is listening to libertarians in the living rooms drinking liquor right now. That's that's what we need.
1: And if he is, let, let me pose pose another question here. So if, and Rand, you can email us your,
0: your response. Uh, Mark, <laughs> M-A-R-C at lions dot com. I'm sure I'll see that uh, in the morning.
1: So <laughs> what what is what is the one area, the, the one policy, you know, be it the, the drug war, foreign policy, uh, criminal justice reform, which is similar to drug war. What, what area do you think Rand should be focusing on and really separate himself with, with a Trump-like populism? I mean, if, if, okay. if you, could, that's if you a, could pick one.
3: That's a great question. And the answer to it depends on this. Political, big political moves are made when a felt sense of injustice is spoken to. Now, right now, um, most people in their everyday lives if you have to pick one issue, one takedown of rights that they are kind of personally aware of that they've experienced in some way or think they've experienced, it's probably the crony corporatism bit. And that is why Bernie, Bernie Sanders, is filling the stadiums like Ron Poole did. Okay? Because he is speaking to a felt concern that is related in some way to felt injustice. So what Paul needs to be doing is speaking to the felt sense of injustice. And one of those, the big area is crony corporatism because people have been feeling that in their pocketbooks. They've got personal stories. to Probably to a lesser extent, but rising, is the civil rights issue. And I say to a lesser extent because things like due process, um, you don't feel them in your everyday life because you don't need them in your everyday life, right? The takedown of rights is an abstraction until they impinge on your everyday choices but the obvious unfairness of the bank bailouts and um, the unfairness that comes with you know a non-free market actually although it's counterintuitive because we associate that with occupy and the left that's if I was rattened. that's what I would be talking a lot more of, especially if I wanted really to do what he said he wants to do, which is win the Northeast and the West. I'm here in Seattle. That's the way he's got to do it if he wants to fill stadiums like Bernie. And I think he needs to. And I think he can, he can do it as well.
0: Do you think he can actually fill stadiums like Bernie?
3: If he gets his messaging, right?
0: I'd love to see it. I mean, I <laughs>
3: he has to reflect back the felt injustice of the electorate not try and educate the electorate that's what bernie's doing that's what trump is doing you see right trump has picked an issue we've got immigration is this is this is never fails right if you want to go from zero to significantly placing in politics right you pick the issue that many people have feelings about but are not that are not being addressed by the political mainstream this is why ukip in england have been so successful the european union and immigration were the, were those issues in england that lots of people were going we have a real problem with the eu and immigration but none of the main parties would reflect back to the electorate their position on these issues ukip comes in does a pop you know in a popular way just says back to the electorate what it's already feeling what it's already feeling is born out of a sense of offended justice never fails ukip goes from zero to four million votes you know they didn't even exist 20 years ago they got four million votes um you know they're in double digits percentages now in england imagine if a libertarian candidate could do that in america i mean it's embarrassing that the messaging is so bad by libertarians in america that we haven't yet done it
0: and ukip is sort of like a a third party in in england and uh, for people that don't know but they're sort of I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call them libertarian per se, but they're they're sort of the, the, the closest version of libertarianism that exists in England, I guess, politically. So I mean, why, why do you think that the libertarian party here hasn't been able to achieve that kind of traction that, that UKIP has? Is it, be, is it because they're not doing the messaging in the right way, or is it it's part of it just because you know the system is so rigged against third parties, in, you know, in general?
3: Well, both both are the case. But, you know, the system is in England is massively systematically biased against third parties, too. We have the first past the post system. Right. So um, but culture precedes politics. You don't if you can win in the culture, if you can start to change minds, which you can do if you're reflecting back to large numbers of people what they're already feeling right, then the politics follow. Now, what's happened in England? What's happened in England is the rise of UKIP started to endanger a significant number of government seats, members of parliament. And so the prime minister last year said, if we're elected, I think it was two years ago, if we're elected, we will uh, promise a referendum on being in or out of Europe. That is huge. That, like, no politician wanted to do that for decades. But UKIP forced their hand. So because, not because UKIP's got a chance of forming a government, but it's, got, it's clearly speaking to people whose votes can stop one party winning. So that party's paying attention. It's, it's all about... It's all about the messaging. It's about realizing if you're libertarian and you're working in the electoral process, and especially if you're working in the libertarian party, that you've chosen to play a game that is a popularity contest that therefore is won by sales and marketing, not self-righteousness and really clever purist arguments that are quite theoretically and nobody's interested in because they haven't read a creature from Jekyll Island. You know what I mean? So it's like we have to get off our high horse and determine what, what we're really trying to achieve.
0: You mean just telling people to read, uh, like, Human Action won't work? <laughs> here, read this thousand-page tome on economics. And then vote for Rand Paul, and you're good. Done. Right. Done. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just take an afternoon off and just read a book. What do you guys think about, about all this jazz here? I mean, it, England is a very different political system in many ways, but at the same time, you know, when it comes to political messaging, it's kind of, the, you know, we can carry the same sort of ideas over to any political system.
1: Yeah, Robin brings up some excellent points. I mean, if if you look at Ron Paul's campaign, I mean, in 2008 especially, uh, he really focused, I think, from what I remember at least, maybe I'm a little biased, but on foreign policy. And that's really what drew me in and drew a lot of people in on the the reason why we were having um, the uh, blowback of, of terrorism was because of what we're doing over there. Um, he did the same similar thing, similar tactic with uh, with his end the Fed movement that just a single issue focusing on the Federal Reserve, the corrupt counterfeiting system of the Federal Reserve. And, you know, you'll have, you know, 18, 20 year old kids that, you know, 20,000 of them or maybe that's uh, more than there were. I don't know if he's doing Bernie Sanders type numbers, but, you know, 15,000, 12,000 people at college campuses chanting "End the Fed burning dollar bills. Rand has not touched that. He, has, he, has, he hasn't been close to, to any of that w- with the messages that he has. So, yeah, Rand has to find that issue. And um, I, I think right now probably a lot of those same kids that were burning dollar bills at Ron Paul rallies are probably at Bernie Sanders rallies doing God knows what. Doing God knows what? I oh don't know. What are they doing? I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what they chant there. What, what are they do? Bur- feel the burn. <laughs> feel the burn.
2: I'm, I'm interested in uh, as far as England, how does the, the media work? Because here, you know, you have the Fox News touting the Republican, the uh, MSNBC touting the Democrat. And it was almost like you have to get in good with either. If you're a Democrat, you got to get in good with that company, whereas, you know, if you're a Republican, you got to get in good with Fox News and, and get favorable coverage so you can have more speaking time, more interviews is it similar over in England as far as how that works?
3: Oh, God, that's a huge question. Um,
0: Take a big gulp of that tea and get ready.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say it's broadly – I'm going to say it's not so similar. Um, in England, the media is, I would say, kind of more implicitly – more homogeneously implicitly left wing than in the u.s obviously in the u.s you do have fox news but you also have other things like um conservative comedians there's no such thing as a conservative comedian in england think about that right so the kind of the cultural substrate is very social democratic and all of the media reflect that including most importantly you might say the bbc And you can certainly see one of the most interesting things that was evident in the last electoral cycle in England, and, you know, we had a general election not that long ago, was that pretty much the left through the media have completely otherized everybody else, including, and especially UKIP and Nigel Farage. They're trying to do that thing that the left always does with people who kind of are concerned about, more concerned about individual liberty and actually... And real democracy, right, shrinking government, they try and paint him to be this right wing nut job. now, the media all of the media did were doing that in England pretty much, and um whereas you know, I, I will I will not defend Fox News, but Fox News have a big chunk of the American population as an audience, and you know they're not doing that. They're otherizing the other side. I'm not saying that's good, but but it's just a, a difference between the cultures and the and the media. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's yeah, it's, it's it's to say it's a big question, and and the BBC is is a game changer, really, if you compare England to other. Um, country's media because even though i don't agree with its prevailing political perspective it does have a mandate to be independent and it clearly does care, care about that mandate and it enables actual facts i think to get discussed more comprehensively than any of the cable networks in in the u.s i mean it's more of an intellectual diet um That is provided by the BBC into mainstream culture than I think, you know, any of the cable networks really provide for America.
0: See, I gave up cable about seven years ago, so I don't even know what the cable networks provide for America nowadays.
2: Well, do you think it's possible for a candidate here to to really do well in an election if they don't have the support of one of the big networks?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you know, look at Trump, right? The, the thing about the United States is, it's a society based more or less on celebrity.
2: Well, but, but they love to cover Trump. At least he's on
0: constantly. Yeah, well, that's all you need. You just need to be on.
3: It's like it's name recognition. It's name recognition. I mean, see, because we care about political ideas, and we're broadly aligned with a political philosophy. We naturally think that, let's say, the reason Ron Paul doesn't do well is because so many people don't agree with him and we have to change their mind. If you spend, I don't mean you, if we spend more time among normal people, you know, somebody mentioned the average American earlier on, you would find that most people don't vote for Ron Paul because they don't know who he is. They've never heard of libertarianism. Like, they don't even know what we're talking about. It's just lack of exposure. And the reason Nigel Farage and UKIP has done so well is simply because he doesn't quite have the celebrity that Trump has, but he has the kind of eccentricity, which the Brits love, which is kind of our, kind of corresponds to celebrity in America. And also like Trump, he has this authenticity, this being your own man, which is human nature works in every culture at all times. And that has got him, disproportionate media coverage. And because of that, he's been able to get his message out to millions of people. Whether you like him or not, you have heard him on the radio, you've seen him on TV, and it's just exposure. It's a numbers game. In some ways, it's so much simpler than we often make it when we're caught um, in our discussions about political philosophy.
0: Do do you think Donald Trump knows exactly what he's doing? Or do you think he's just saying shit and stumbling into this, this popularity? Or do you think he's, he's basically doing what you're laying out? Like he's as a strategy.
3: Let's put it this way. I think he has a lifetime of knowing that when he behaves in this way or says these kind of things, these other things happen. Mm -hmm. And when those other things happen, he knows, he knows what they are and how he can use them. So he's operating in a comfort zone in which he's quite effective. So you can call that a strategy. I'm not sure it's that deliberate. I'm not sure he's sitting down with his marketing guys like, okay, what well, I'll be the only one on the stage who doesn't agree to be, you know, to endorse the Republican. Cause that'll get me um, a lot of news time afterwards. And then what I'll do is I'll say something about one of the questioners so that all of the coverage afterwards, isn't about the issues. It's just about me. I, I'm not sure he's, he's actually consciously thinking that. Um, but he's, I think he's kind of absorbed it. I think it's like the nature of the beast. So, <laughs> Even if it's just kind of implicit in his nature, if it comes naturally to him, the important thing for us is we still need to get better at doing it.
0: Here's one difference between Ron and Rand. I think if that question was posed and and Ron was standing up there too, he he would have raised his hand right alongside of Donald Trump. Whereas Rand sort of took the opposite tactic and he actually attacked Trump for taking that position, which is probably wise politically. I think Rand made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Trump got booed when he said he would not necessarily pledge to not support the Republicans. So why do you think that was a mistake on ramparts? I, I agree with you because, I mean, what are we really going to say that is Rand really going to say he would come out and endorse and support Chris Christie? I mean, after I mean, some of these terrible guys who have just are so blatantly opposed to what he stands for.
3: The only chance Rand has, right, is he has to get, as I say, this disaffected swinging middle. That means he has to be seen to be his own man. And he can be a Republican, but not if he puts his Republicanism, his party in front of the, um, his principles and he's got to be the principled guy. People will respect that and consider voting for it. Um, even if they don't completely agree with all of his principles. Right. And that means for that reason, giving a blank check to the Republican party, as it were, um, in terms of his support for the nominee, I mean, it, I think it falsifies his, his actual principles, his actual message. And remember, Trump got booed because of the audience in the room. Right. But the audience for that debate is not the people in the room, right? It's all of the people who are going to see it on YouTube, who are going to watch the news shows that take clips out of it, right? They're the audience. So again, does Trump know what, I, what he's doing? If Trump was speaking to the nation rather than the people in the room who are going to boo him because they're complete Republican partisans and that's why they're in the room then he might, you know then trump might have been clever and rand might not have been it seemed
2: to me that rand almost just wanted to attack trump on something to get the yeah. me versus trump and he he just did it right away no matter what the qu- first question was it almost seemed like he was ready to attack trump and, and just say the opposite so somebody
3: told him he had to throw that ball down the field Definitely. and he yeah. he didn't wait for the right moment opportunity and it was clumsy and and it didn't do him any harm any exactly. any good did it exactly
0: yeah, I mean, it was clearly some strategy session where uh, where they all sat there and said, um, all right, so as soon as you find an, alt- an opening, go after Trump because he's the guy everyone's looking at. So if they're looking at him and you go after him, they're going to be looking at you and instead of just sitting there. And even when they did that, I mean, we talked about this on the last Rand Paulus's and minuses show, which is this is almost turning into another edition of. But, uh, I mean, Brian's theory was that, you know, he did that and then the reason he got – so little time afterwards because he thinks the moderators or maybe some executive or somebody said to Rand, hey, stop jumping out of line here. And, and that's why he didn't get much questioning afterwards. I don't know if I buy into that conspiracy theory, but but it's fun to conspiracy theorize now, isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah. Is there a candidate, uh, you know, for our purposes, besides Trump or Rand Paul, that's like worth discussing that that maybe you would see some potential <laughs> Well, not that I see potential in Trump, but he's interesting to talk about. And there's obviously a potential with Rand if he, you know, kind of gets a, a clear message.
0: I think Carly is interesting. Yeah. She's not bad. I mean, by interesting, I just mean I'm not as absolutely terrified of her as, say, like Chris Christie or Mike Huckabee or, or somebody like that being president. She doesn't seem like a sort of a frothing at the mouth, uh, evil warmonger type, which she might be anyway. I don't really know that much about her. But I mean, she is much like Trump, a businesswoman. She's someone who's made her success in the business world, not in politics. So in, in that way, and I think she'll probably be in the next debate. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked at poll numbers, but I, 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 I mean, I don't I don't really know. Yeah,
2: she, she's uh, the new media darling, it seems like, after the, the first debate about it. everyone talked about how well she did.
1: Well, uh, Megyn Kelly, before even the, you know, after the first debate, before the second debate, said that Carly opened a can of what a can of whoop ass or she say whoop ass, something like that. Though
2: I watched the first debate. I, I didn't come away just stunned by her. I came away stunned by how much I hated everyone else in that first debate and I would be terrified if they were elected.
0: That's exactly, I think, why she stood out. It's not that she stands out as exceptional. It's that she stands out as not insane. And a lot of these (laughs) other guys up there, I mean, I'm not literally insane, but they come across to me as the Republican Party of 2004. They come across to me as hardcore Bush. Let's go get them. We got to send the boots to to ISIS. I don't know. Send boots to ISIS. Is that what they say?
1: <laughs> I think, <laughs> <I> think <laughs> Lindsey Graham quote, legitimately yes. mentioned ISIS in every single Lindsey Graham, yeah. I believe,
0: actually said that he wanted to go fight ISIS. I'm not even joking. I, I will find the clip. Like He was, he was like, I will airdrop myself.
3: Where do I donate to send him off to fight ISIS?
0: <laughs> I will fund. I don't like the idea of taxpayers funding uh, junkets for politicians, but I'll fund the I'll fund the Lindsey <laughs> Lindsey v ISIS trip any day of the week. I love it. All right. Well, we're, we've got about uh, I don't know maybe 10, 15 minutes left in the show. Why, is there anything else going on in the world that doesn't involve Rand Paul, Donald Trump, or D's nuts? Uh, I'll, I'll leave.
1: I'll leave an open forum out there. We could talk about Hillary Clinton. I mean, did you almost call her a...
0: Hillary? I feel like you just—I feel like you stopped yourself. Like part
1: Freudian way slip there, maybe. I don't
0: know. I guess we, H- we can talk about Hillary. What's new? Emails, Something about email?
2: How much backdoor communications are going down between the Clintons and the Justice Department right now? That's what I want to know because I, I just can't see the Justice Department actually charging her, no matter what well, she you did. You
0: are a legal analyst, so let's hear.
2: Let's hear your thoughts. <laughs> well. I just I think there, you know, the, the Justice Department has proven over the Obama during the Obama administration to be very political, you know, with what they no, come on, who they charge, you know, under what circumstances. And I think Obama would you know, he, he's looking at Hillary as his successor and, and not as much as, as Biden, which for whatever reason. So if that's true. There's got to be a lot of different forces tugging at the Justice Department not to charge her with anything. So I just find that whole kind of uh, dynamic very interesting to see how it plays out.
0: I I can't picture a scenario where Hillary Clinton is like literally on trial for for any of this
1: email stuff. Like that just seems bonkers to me.
0: Maybe Maybe she should be, but I mean, come on. Just not it,
1: it, it does seem bonkers, but honestly, when this first uh, first popped up, what was that four or five months ago? I, I thought it would be, um, you know, in the news for maybe a month and just go away, and people would stop talking about it. And Hillary Clinton literally disappeared for like for like two months. You couldn't even find her. She didn't make a statement. But it's it's still. I mean, every day, you know, every day it's a news story. There's something else coming out. Um, I mean, there, there's a there's a real investigation going on, an FBI investigation. Obviously, it makes sense what Rico saying. saying. Um, it would make sense for, for the Democrat Party, for Obama, the Obama administration to do what they can to make sure she doesn't get charged. So, I mean, that's not even conspiracy theory. That's just looking at it, you know. Rationally, definitely the
2: way it is. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean it's just the way it is. So she probably won't get charged, but it's it's surprising. It's still in the news, to be honest with you. Will
0: it be as politically politically scandalous enough for he for her to even like bow out of uh, the campaign? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. (laughs) She's
2: been planning this run for since the last time she lost to Obama. So
0: and probably since the seventies. I mean, in reality,
2: yeah. But uh, one thing I was wondering about is because I don't see this you know, the Justice Department charging her. So then I was wondering, OK, well, did this scandal happen too early for the Republicans? Because it, it's so far away from the election, whereas if she doesn't get charged, you know, by the time she's actually in a debate with the Republican candidate, and I'm assuming she's going to win the Democratic nomination. It's kind of old news, whereas if the scandal happened eight months from now, you know, who knows? You don't
0: think Bernie's got a shot?
2: no i i really don't i don't clinton's actually i think i i've read she's pulling better than she did in 2007 at this time uh she has more endorsements i don't i don't know if bernie sanders has any endorsements from you know democratic party uh higher ups congressmen. uh I think
0: Snoop Dogg might have endorsed him, but I don't
2: know. Yeah, so I I don't really see his momentum carrying through. Maybe he can... Jesse Ventura
0: endorsed him. Yeah, well, Jesse endorsed (laughs) Trump last week. Jesse has no idea what what is going on. He literally doesn't... And he
2: was Ron Paul, so I I don't know where Jesse Ventura's politics are.
0: His politics are in whatever I can say to get me on TV for five more minutes before I, I wither away into irrelevance. And I'm a Jesse Ventura fan, but I mean... He's just a an, an inane glory hound. At the end of the day, come
2: back to the WWE, Jesse Ventura.
0: We could talk about pro wrestling for the last ten minutes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Robin's into it or not. But
3: <laughs> I, I don't know anything about that. Well, that's perfect.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. We can talk about it, and it can be relevant because this is something I've read Jesse's books, and this is something he always says. Because he I mean, regardless of what you think about Jesse Ventura's politics, he did something incredibly phenomenal, and that was by being elected a governor as an. Independent, which is just like, I mean, it's basically impossible to win any sort of major office in the United States. You know, without the support of one of the two major parties, and what he always says that he always compared politics to pro wrestling because he would say, well, you know, in pro wrestling you got a good guy, you got a bad guy, and they go out in the ring and they go have a fight, they go have this whole dramatic affair, a blood feud, and then when it's all said and done, they go back to the bar and they shoot and they have drinks and do shots together, and they're all they're all good friends. And same thing in politics, you have these guys putting on this theater, this show, this yeah. left versus right show, and at the end of the day, what do they do? They go to the same bars on K Street and and. And, you know, clink their little old smuggler glasses or whatever they're drinking together and have a good old time laughing their way to the bank.
3: But this actually speaks to a very important point that the liberty movement really needs to start thinking about, which is that there obviously is a very unfair duopoly um, kind of lockdown of the political process across this country. But in the United States, which is which gets excited by celebrity, the way to kind of subvert that to kind of transcend that is like ventura is to have a lot of name recognition and to be a celebrity to build yourself up in another field and then move sideways and we the libertarian party could do uh, or, the, or the libertarian movement could make a lot of progress just by getting one or two of the right kind of celebrities to just start even talking about our message the Th- the weakness of the duopoly is individual celebrity.
0: You know what we need? We need Vince Vaughn to run for president. I was just about to say that, but... That's what we need. Give me to it. I mean, I'm kind of joking, but, I mean, he would get attention, and he's pretty libertarian. I mean, I don't know. I haven't... I've, Obviously, I haven't interviewed him yet, or you guys wouldn't know that. Um, but, I mean, he speaks kindly about Ron Paul. He was at his birthday introducing him to everybody, and he's he wants to end the Fed and all that stuff. I don't know any other celebrities that really say the sort of things that Vince Vaughn does. I don't know how how deep into libertarian philosophy he really is. But if someone of that stature, someone extremely well-known, uh, would actually take on that libertarian position and really put it out there, I mean, it, it maybe that says – some bad things about our our political discourse in this country, but it would certainly get attention. And I I think we do need something like that. Somebody that's established themselves, like Robin said, in a completely different field coming out and and taking that notoriety and then sort of, you know, laying out the libertarian message. Hey, look at me. I'm the celebrity. You guys all know me. You saw swingers here and the Fed. Bam!
1: What do you think? I like it. I like it. I think oh I think a Vince, a Vince Vaughn, Glenn Jacobs ticket, would is that's the key to Libertarian Party's success. I don't know
0: how many people know Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Uh, Kane in oh, WWE. That's, but, true. that's true. But he speaks well, so he could be a good running mate. Why not? Absolutely. Everyone
2: in my world knows who Kane is.
0: So. <laughs> well, your world is like me and like some other guy <laughs> that watches wrestling.
3: That's Rico's world.
0: Um. <laughs> What do you think, Robin? Would you support a a Vince Vaughn candidacy?
3: I don't know enough about him. Certainly not the other guy.
0: Who's the other guy?
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Kane.
0: You wouldn't support the the candidacy of the demon Kane?
1: You've probably, without knowing, maybe not. Have you seen the movie Swingers? You've probably read some Glenn Jacobs throughout your libertarian uh, readings. I know he's been on... Lou Rockwell and whatnot. Yeah, he's, he writes at uh, Lou Rockwell,
0: Daily Caller. He writes. He writes yeah, things. okay. He doesn't write as a professional wrestler. He just writes as Glenn Jacobs and happens to also hmm. be. See, I want him to take it to like. I'll have to get him back on the show and harass him about this. Maybe he'll be our next special guest on on the drinking show here. Uh, oh, I maybe. want him to like become a libertarian character on TV. Like I think that would be a hilarious <laughs> and B. I don't know. Maybe help spread the ideas
1: of liberty.
3: You know? Do you know who Rick Ross is? The which one? The drug dealer one. The the guy who was jailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay,
3: so he was a uh, he was um speaking at the Libertarian Party of Washington State. Oh, cool. Um, up here in. Uh, well, it was actually in Vancouver, you know, but in Washington State. Wait, the Washington State Libertarian
0: Party had to meet in Vancouver?
3: Vancouver, Washington, not Oh, oh
0: okay. I was like, <laughs> I was like <laughs> that's that's kind of funny if they have to go all the way to Canada to, to meet at Libertarian. Actually, the
3: Canadians came down here, actually, so that was kind of cool. But anyway, okay. um, so, uh, and Ricky Ross, like, not... Not, I mean, if anything, he was kind of sim- uh, sympathetic to the Democrats. He came out in the Libertarian. The reason I know is that I was actually speaking, um, you know, at, also at this event. And so I was there. And he actually came out with a full-throated endorsement of libertarian principles and the Libertarian Party based on his experience that day. Now, if I was the Libertarian Party, I'd be spending more time packaging and pushing that than, um, you know, reading another book by Rothbard if I actually wanted to win elections.
0: Man, maybe Rick Ross should run for, for the Libertarian Party.
3: Think about putting a guy like that or even just using his message, you know, in certain uh, favorable, demographically favorable districts. Just think about like the political disruption and stories that you could create if you were half smart about that.
0: Is his, uh, I guess he gave a speech or something there. Is that online anywhere?
3: You know, I believe it is on some kind of obscure. Uh, I gotta look that up. Yeah, look, yeah, look it up. Yeah.
1: The interview with, with Rick Ross and James Altucher. I don't know if you guys have heard that. Yeah, I wrote wrote, wrote a quick little article on it. It was it was phenomenal. Um, uh, James Altucher, podcast host, um, interviewed him. He, he's a great he's a great interviewer and really walked through you know from the beginning to the end. Rick Ross, how he managed his drug enterprise, and um, he said he, he never um, never even felt the need to to use violence. Um. He set up. Set up. It's it's a phenomenal interview. I'm really. I really don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the nature the of the show. <laughs> yeah, nothing's changed. It's, it's it's worth listening to.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I would be having having met the guy now, I would be interested in listening to that. Yeah.
1: Well, it's always
0: good to end end our podcast by promoting someone else's. That's always a good way to, to wrap things go. up. Now, why don't we just wrap things up? Uh, I'll allow, as I often do, everyone to just give their final thoughts on everything we've talked about or even anything we haven't talked about. So why don't we start with you, Odie? Uh,
1: back on the spot. Final thoughts. Um man i don't know um so we got what another month till the next republican debate we were just talking about mid-september
0: yeah the 16th i believe
1: we were just talking about rand paul and what he can do to change his message
0: maybe that's the question i'll even ask a specific question what do you since we spent so much time talking about rand what do each of you hope to see from rand in the next debate as opposed to what you saw in the first one or just in general what you'd like to hear from him
1: that's a great question um I think that Rand Paul, like as Robin was talking about earlier, um, messaging and finding a message that resonates like Ron Paul did with the Fed, did with foreign policy. Um, Rand Paul, at the beginning of, of the last debate, targeted Donald Trump and talked about his cronyism a little bit, talked about him buying and selling politicians. Rand Paul needs to clarify that and needs to amplify that and needs to steal from the Bernie Sanders momentum. That's what he needs to do.
0: Steal, advocating stealing again. We've really summed up the show from the from beginning to end. <laughs> steal,
1: steal, but with consent. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. No,
0: violence. no that, violence. That's fine. Rico, what are your thoughts here?
2: Well, I've stolen many Bud Lights during the course of this show, so I'll continue advocating that principle. But uh, as far as Rand Paul, I think you know he just needs to go listen to his father's YouTube speeches, uh, because Ron, I always thought he was his message was good. It's just. My issue was always the way he delivered it. He would kind of go off on tangents. Uh, if you guys remember his, you know, primary debates, he would go make try to make five different points in, in one question, right?
0: And some of us might have gotten them, but a lot of regular folks are like, what? "Yeah, what?
2: you know," he would start talking about Austrian economics, and you know, the guy who turned on a debate and hadn't paid attention to politics for four years probably didn't really understand what he was talking about. I always thought uh, Rand was much better. As far as being clear, as far as what he was saying, but his his just positions are, are just not compelling right now. He ne- he needs to clarify what exactly he stands for. I, I really think he needs to adopt his father's <laughs> principles. But I guess every candidate's their own man. But you know, look where uh, Ron was. Just deliver that message in a better fashion than Ron was capable of doing. So hopefully, he'll uh, get on that.
0: All right, and the final, final, final word. Robin, did that, did that scotch tempt you at all? Did you, did you see it in there? <laughs> have, we, have we driven you to, to the alcohol yet?
3: It was too far from the mic. I couldn't reach reach it without like leaving you guys. No,
0: I know. I know you got somewhere to be afterwards and probably can't sh- show up totally sloshed, But uh,
3: well, that, or, that's actually the case. Yeah. But uh, I mean, because I'm on the west coast, so it's not even five o'clock here. It's still office hours. Right? Hey, that's so still-
0: I got the same excuse. But uh, no, I don't. I don't really. I don't really <laughs> care about office hours or anything like Fair that. Enough. So what? Are, what are your thoughts on Rand or anything else we talked about today, Robin? Yeah. Uh,
3: well, I mean, you know, I would like. I would like Rand to just be Rand. I would like to see him i agree with what you said about clarifying um the message i think he needs to concentrate on doing that in areas that reflect back to the electorate their felt senses of injustice in the areas of cronyism and um uh, possibly civil rights as well um areas that frankly Rand paul based on his policy positions without having to change anything he can own them um so he owns the areas of felt injustice in our country there's no reason why he can't win i mean obviously it's very difficult to win but i you know i believe that um he he doesn't you know he doesn't want to be doing focus groups he doesn't want to be taking pot shots because somebody told him to he's got a lot of time he needs to let him the man be seen to be him the man and if that means he shows a little bit of heartfelt emotion about these black kids who are getting put away for you know, half of their life because of nonviolent drug offenses or these innocent people that are being killed because of you know unconstitutional drone attacks, then let's see it. Let's see, let's see some emotion from him as well. People will respond to that and appreciate his humanity.
0: All right. And um, my final thoughts are that I don't have to give you final thoughts because I'm the host of the show and everybody hears from me all the time, so no. No, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, look, I want Ran to do well. We all want Ran to be Ron 2.0. Um, he's not going to be that, and he shouldn't be that per se because he is a different person. He is his own man. Uh, but I would like to see him be more bold uh, and just be – he doesn't need to say everything like Ron did. Like, he doesn't need to say, yeah, legalize heroin, of course. But he does – I do think he needs to really put his views out there in a, in a stronger, more assertive way, and he's fighting an uphill battle. The media doesn't care about giving him time. Um, you know, his own party probably doesn't care about helping him out. So I, I recognize that it's it's not easy for him to just snap his fingers and, and put himself out there, but in, in the moments that he does get the spotlight, I mean, heck, at this point, with the poll numbers, and even if they don't matter, I mean, they, they don't look good, and in his campaign, people can't be happy about him. So, I mean, I, I think a call, I, I think the fact that Ron Paul did that endorsement or last week is, is a sign that they recognize that they're not catering, or, or they're not capturing anyway, that same spirit that Ron Paul did, so I think there probably is some internal recognition of that, and I hope they will make some sort of pivot, whatever it may be, maybe, it, whether it's a bolder you know, foreign policy stance, a bolder ant, you know, war on drugs, civil rights stance, whatever it is, I don't know, uh, I'm not a political genius or anything, but I, I do feel that he needs to do something, as Robin kept saying, to really um, really capture the, the feelings of people out there. As much as I hate to just cater to feelings, 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 that is what gets people, uh, people's attention and um, and I, I don't know how he should do it per se but uh, he hasn't really done it with me yet <laughs> personally. Um, I like him because I've I read things about him and I read the things he writes but I, it's not, if I had only seen him in the debates, I'm not sure how compelled I would be. So I, that's what I want to see from Rand. I really just want to see the, uh, the, the bar of the debate, the bar of the conversation uh, raised and I think he's capable of doing that.
3: All sales are made emotionally, even the ones that are retrospectively justified with rational argument. All sales are made emotionally.
0: Well, that's a damn good closing statement, Robin. Uh, Robin, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. I hope you had a blast, and uh, we plan to keep doing these specials. We'll probably do an in-house edition uh, you know, every two weeks, and then we'll try to do a special guest uh, about once a month or so. So you are, you are the first experiment, so the ratings <laughs> the ratings will determine <laughs> how we proceed from here. Um, guys, I thank you all for joining me. As, as always, it's been a blast here. If you all wouldn't mind joining me in my usual sign-off, I want to tell you guys and everyone listening out there to live long and live Live free. free. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good times.